Oh, maybe when those robot overlords come in. uh... Promises, promises. As long as they come with solutions at this point, I think I'd be fine with it. everyone and welcome to the newest episode of rabbit holes podcast i'm one of your hosts elise and i'm your other host andy and we're back it's just us just us so now we have to pretend to like each other we don't have a buffer i know for this awkward thrown together i know (laughs) not star-crossed but star-crossed friends yes (laughs) we should really evaluate if we're getting everything we need out of this friendship (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, we're back to the regular old shtick of just you and I for flapping our gums at each other. Pretty much trying to be entertaining and fun. Yeah. We apparently are. We picked up a new listener who's been binging the series uh, in St. John's, New Brunswick. Hmm. And she has a thing or two to say to you about your disdain. For the province of New Brunswick. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> so feel free to offer your apologies now. <laughs> I'm sorry you're from New Brunswick. <laughs> That's like saying, I'm sorry you were hurt by what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're offended. New Brunswick is a lovely province. It's just the butt of Canadian jokes. I think that might be regional to Newfoundland though. No, I think that's. Regional to Atlantic Canada. Maybe. If you see, like, Maybe that's it. Just hours, 22 minutes and stuff. They're constantly making fun of... I guess the rest of Canada probably makes fun of Toronto. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do her. Yeah. So... So it is kind of regional. Yeah. <laughs> Although you jumped on the bandwagon, too. Yes, but my family is from New Brunswick, so I'm allowed to. <laughs> So tonight we have two brand new stories. Uh, we talked about it, and Andy knows what I'm doing, but I don't know what Andy's doing because last week I said I was talking plastic surgery. So uh, Andy has orchestrated tonight's episode to go a certain way, and so Andy is going to go first with her story. Yes. So some of my topics might, some of my points might be covered by you in more in-depth, but I am doing tattoos and body modification. Ooh. So I've been thinking about doing tattoos for a while, um, so we're going to do it now. Oh, wait. You mean do tattoos as a story or yes, do tattoos story as get tattoos? Well, both. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not to the point of getting one yet. Got it. So. I know that we think we're all very modern about how mainstream tattoos are now, but tattoos have been around since around the 2nd or 3rd century BC or BCE. Depends on what level of historian you are. (laughs) Uh, The articles I read still said BC, so. Uh, Tattoos appear in different parts of the world practically independently, but about the same time. Okay. Uh, So one of the best examples is Otik, the O. T-Z-I. And the O has the two dots above it. Utigs. Utigs, the Iceman, a well-preserved natural mummy from the 4th century BC, is found in the Utig Valley in the Alps and has carbon tattoos in the shapes of dots and lines. 
So his tattoos were found over joints that shown sign, show signs of arthritis. Um, and that also happened to be acupuncture sites. So oh. acupuncture sites. So some archaeologists uh, have theorized that the tattoos might be have been a method of pain management. So that is a, a, com, a, a sort of common theory that gets thrown around about some of the early tattoos. Pain management as in there was something on the needles in the... Or just some form of they thought it was pain management to uh, deal with joints. Because you right. see, I was listening to a um, podcast called Sawbones, and they were talking about how some cultures do skin um, stitching and stuff mm-hmm. around problematic joints. Oh. Um, people do the piercing of parts of their ears to try to help with migraines. Right. It's sort of that sort of idea. How much it works, who knows? Well, it works as much as you think it's going to work. Well, exactly. Um, Other early tattoos were done for what we assume is uh, various reasons. Ancient Chinese used to tattoo a symbol for for prisoner on the face of convicted criminals and Mm. continued to do so until the 19th century. The tradition of making temporary tattoos with henna is alive and well in India today as is when Marco Polo first saw it. And actually, legend has it that a famous Chinese general during the Song Dynasty had a tattoo across his back that said, Repay the country with pure loyalty, which was tattooed there by his mother. Hmm. That is quite a tattoo and quite a story. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what Adam Levine's California tattoo (laughs) story is, but probably not as awesome. Well, at least this guy's mom didn't put, like, no regrets across his back. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Uh, people of the Philippines used to tattoo a mark of rank and accomplishment. And in Egypt, tattoos were mainly worn by women. And these tattoos represented class, religious devotion, and they were worn as a method of healing and also a more, uh, a method of punishment. Hmm. Tattoos were also used in rituals and rites of passage by the Mayans, Incas, and Aztec and early Britons. The Danes, Norse, and Saxons were often known to have tattooed family crests on their bodies and who for- can forget the distinctive blue and black tattoos from early Scotland. Other armies, um, even up into the Second and First World War, were known to have tattooed things like identifying marks, names, other things on bodies of soldiers, mm-hmm. especially under the armpits. Um, so that if their dog tags were lost or their bodies were found, they could be identified. During the Crusades, some Europeans would tattoo a cross on their hand or arms to mark their participation and indicate their desire for a Christian burial should they not return. Tattoos waned in Europe under Christianity, with the exception of those Crusaders, (laughs) because it considered tattooing barbaric, but it never disappeared completely. Right. When Captain James Cook made his voyage to the South Pacific, he noted his observations about the indigenous people's body modifications and brought the word tattoo into the English and other languages. Hmm. Uh, There was also a note on one of the articles that I read that said some of the early explorers would bring back tattooed indigenous people with them to Europe. Ugh. So I was like, well, that's a bit... As like a souvenir? I don't know. They didn't go into it. And I was like... Oh, boy. 
So when we think of tattoos, we think of sort of the, the common and the most often used one, which is a process of ink being applied via a needle or two needles as it is now under the skin. Variations of this have been used throughout history, but it's not the only way. Certain people, uh, certain cultures in the Arctic, of all over the Arctic, have used neater, needles. You are having a trouble with that needles. <laughs> I am. Let's try that again. Uh, certain peoples in the Arctic have used needles to pull carbon embedded thread under the skin to create <sighs> linear designs, while others have traditionally cut designs into the skin and then rubbed the incisions with ink or ash. Neither of those sound like pleasant experiences. Mm-mm. Dragging a carbon thread under your skin. <sighs> like the cut's not good. We've all like cut ourselves and accidentally rubbed like salt or acidic something in it but it's the dragging under the skin that's really captured my imagination in the most horrible oh, ways. yeah don't worry we get to worse <laughs> oh oh good yeah <laughs> so how does a tattoo stay or for a lack of a better term work so well as i said needle is used to inject pigment just below the skin surface so two needles and usually like a small tube uh, just below the skin surface. Then our bodies treat the injected pigment as a non-toxic foreign element mm-hmm. that needs to be contained. So certain types of cells in our bodies engulf minute amounts of the pigment. And once they are full, they move poorly and become relatively fixed in the connective tissue hmm. of the dermis, which is why tattoo designs do not generally t- change over time, but they might become blurry that so it's not the ink necessarily staying it's that our body is going this shit needs to be contained and then they (laughs) absorb it and then they go fuck i can't move (laughs) so that's how it works Uh, i think it's safe to say though that tattoos have never been more popular than they are right now Mm-hmm. Long gone are the stigma that they only uh, that they belong only in the realms of sailors, bikers, and prisons. Yep. But are seen as an art form and a way of self-expression. Right now, over 40% of adults have at least one tattoo, and 75% of those who have tattoos have multiple tattoos. When you look at millennials, uh, that's who tattoos are the most popular with, with about 75% over the age of 18 having it one tattoo or more. And women are now getting tattooed more than men, but overall men still have the most majority of tattoos. But in a few years, the rate of women getting tattoos and it being so popular and so accepted into the mainstream culture, right? women will overtake. Good to know. Equality in tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> um, tattoos are definitely becoming way more mainstream. I think we can all uh, agree. I'm yeah. thinking of getting one. Dan wants to get one. Uh, mostly the reason I haven't got one is because I'm... Giant chicken? Yes, giant chicken. And also for a long time was like, I see too many bad tattoos. I think there's too many BuzzFeed lists of horrible tattoos. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam Levine's. Right. Uh, Justin Bieber's. A lot of celebrities. I, face tattoos I don't understand. Well, the face tattoos I'm completely befuddled even by. Even good face tattoos I'm befuddled by. Bad face tattoos I'm even more befuddled yeah. by. I think, too, we grew up in an age where, like, the adults in our life who had tattoos had bad tattoos. Mm. Like, my parents had a couple friend, and he had a tattoo of a half-naked woman on his arm. 
and he enjoyed wearing no sleeve shirts in the summer. <laughs> and like you said, the lines had gotten blown out over time and it was blue. But like every time I saw it as a kid, I'd be like, does your wife not feel insulted that you just have some rando lady's tits out on your arm? Like that sort of sailor, sailor pinup. Yeah. It was kind of pinup. Yeah. It was just a blue outline and she was just wearing panties and heels and had big hair and I was just like... That's a 70s sailor tattoo. Yeah. Right <laughs> well, he was Navy. And the lines were all blown out because he was an older guy at this point and wore sleeveless tops in summer, so got tanned repeatedly slash burnt. And I'm just like, I don't want that anywhere near my body. Just based off that one tattoo alone, I don't think I'm yeah. down for it. So I think that might be our problem, our generation's problem, is seeing these terribly, horribly gone wrong tattoos with time. <laughs> I mean, like, Dan and I are both thinking of getting one. Um, uh, a former co-worker, or a co-worker of mine, former co-worker of you, mm-hmm. her and her husband think about getting one. Like, uh-huh. these are people who don't have them. But uh, most of us are looking at them either for some sort of symbolism. like Sentimentality. Sentimentality. Yeah. Um, Dan and I are both talking, like, if we get one, we like, there's two that we want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan would like to get, like, a half sleeve with these with maple leaves mm-hmm. and i found a tattoo artist who does a really fantastic maple leaf here in ottawa and he'd also like to get uh, on the inside of one of his arms the girls times and dates of birth mm-hmm. but in um like font like a calculator okay just a string of time date and so it's just not as obvious what it is but right just be a string of numbers in like that calculator font right because engineer yeah got it sort of linked to him and whereas I want to get a, a Celtic Trinity with a worked into a Celtic tree of life mm-hmm. and then get something for the girls right. uh, somewhere. But, and the funny thing is I've always wanted the Celtic Trinity and the Celtic tree of life. I've had those symbols since I was a teenager that I love. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought about getting it. And I'm now I'm like, maybe I could because I have enough money to pay someone who's really good to do it. Yeah. It's not like when you're 18 and you're scraping together your drinking money leftovers to find the cheapest person that you can. <laughs> yeah. And like I am, I've been like, one of the reasons I first got an Instagram account was to literally follow <laughs> these top 10 tattoo artists here in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And one of them is phenomenal. Yeah. Like she does insane work. Although I'm, not sure exactly how it's going to look over time, right. but it's photorealism at its best. Oh. Like I'll show you some pictures of it. It if she ever went on like Ink Master and yeah. did a photorealism challenge, she would win hands down. Hmm. Also, watching way too many ink, too much Ink Master has made me reconsider and consider and then reconsider yeah. and consider <laughs> getting a tattoo. But that also points to how mainstream tattooing is. Yes, because there's a whole reality show. Well, I think what kind of propelled tattoos into the mainstream and made it acceptable. So, like, I remember thinking when I was growing up, like, color tattoos are a bad idea. They don't look good. Just get black and white and it's fine. And then when I started shifting that impression was when fucking TLC of all shows, of all networks, ran a show about tattooing. And it was the first reality show Mm -hmm. about a tattoo parlor in Miami. And Chris Nunez came off that show. And repeated exposure made me realize like no color tattoos are actually nicer than a black and white and i'm became more and more accepting of the idea of tattoos on just like regular rando people and then you see some that are just beautiful that are just like oh my god then you see some that are just yeah there is a really funny uh, clip on youtube 
and it's the two um, Nunes and um, Oliver Pack. Oliver Pack. You did the the, the, the toothpick. Yeah, the, the toothpick. The toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they critique some celebrity tattoos. Oh God. Yeah. But um, Angelina Jolie has one. Of a tiger? No, yeah. it's a oh. tiger, and she got it in Cambodia using uh, from monks using a traditional the tap method. Yeah, and they were saying like it's beautifully done, and it's a really big piece. And they're like, man, like kudos to her because that is a painful way yeah. to do it, and especially on the ribs too. Yeah, and so they were like, oh my god, it's beautiful. It's also super painful. She had to stun it as a traditional style, also a little bit because it's not quite as sterile those needles that they use so yeah. like also good on her for taking that risk but yeah well so, when you're rich and white you take risks like that without well that fear. was i think she got it during her like tomb raider phase so that was before she became super <laughs> successful right but also around the time that she was married to what's his name so <laughs> billy bob right i think that was around that time but that's probably my famous my favorite angelina jolie look is that tomb raider that <laughs> Man, oh, man, I could swing on the second side of the fence for that one. <laughs> uh, so to end sort of my tattoo story, I came across one that is shockingly not, I don't think the guy's from Florida, but it does scream <laughs> Florida. So in 2007, 2017, Andrew Fisher, an American web uh, designer, auctioned his forehead as an ad space on eBay. <sighs> And it sold for over 37000 and left Andrew with a Snoring Remedy logo tattooed semi-permanently on his head for a month. Oh, my God. Wait, what's a semi-permanent tattoo? I don't know. Huh. Okay. But it's still, um, for a month, he had a Snoring logo. I would fucking do that for a few thousand dollars. For semi-permanent, guaranteed to be gone, I'd do that. No problem. Would it be guaranteed to be gone? I'd like to know if it was actually done. I couldn't really find a whole lot of information to follow up on that. So so that's a look at tattoos. But what about other body modifications? So as a teen in the 90s and in college in the early to- the early aughts, piercings were all the rage. Yes. Eyebrow, nose, belly buttons, tongues, you name it. Uh-huh. Uh, nowadays, you don't see too many eyebrow rings, thankfully. True. True. Very true. Also, you don't see too many frosted tips. It went out with that. Right. I'm picturing, like, wreck the temp. With his like eyebrow mm, ring and his prostitutes. And uh, George Snuffleupagus. <laughs> Snuffleupagus, yes. That one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just watching, a, uh, he has a, a series on CBC3 web series that he does concerts from his basement and they just had Alexis on fire. So I was watching that while sitting it's a on. Real blast from the past, that whole sentence right there. I know. But Alexis on Fire just put out a new single last oh, okay. week. So it's the first time in nine years. And I'm like literally sitting on the potty with Victoria in my lap. And we're both like rocking out to Alexis on Fire in George Trouble like it's his basement. Oh, wow. <laughs> you live an odd life. I do. <laughs> so I'm not a big piercing fan. I don't even have my ears done. Um, I could be- get behind a tongue stud. But I'll save my mother from listening to that story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Mom. Uh, Uh, I will thank you. Because we're still in the embargo period of sexy stories. (laughs) So, uh, since I don't understand why people do these modifications, uh, I thought I'd look it up. Uh, So, physical alterations such as tattoos or piercings are referred to as body modification, which is a really broad category. 
that includes just about any alteration that a person can make to their body. So that also includes plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Alterations can be small or dramatic, small like a piercing or dramatic like the stretched neck or braided skin. Uh, we're just going to roll over that? Yeah. Okay. I've never heard nor seen of that, but uh, I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight. Yeah, it's not even the worst one. There's a wide variety of re- reasons why people choose to alter their appearance, either temporarily, temporarily or permanently. Uh, these reasons are generally culturally specific, which means that they might seem extreme to you and I, but are totally understandable from another culture. For example, in certain, certain Asian and African cultures, women and some men will wear heavy pieces of jewelry to stretch the length of their necks in order to be considered more beautiful. Really, it doesn't stretch your neck. It just sort of like hunches your shoulders. Uh, To us, so the thought of elongating your neck to be more beautiful might sound bizarre, uh, but that's just because it's not common in our culture. Yeah. Uh, But think about some of the insane stuff that you will talk about that people do to their bodies to make them, quote unquote, more beautiful. Right. Boobs, butts, lips. You know, it's just as bizarre. I mean, the whole air gauge trend probably is completely unfathomable to non-Western ear gauges. Oh, yeah. We talk about those flesh tunnels. I can't. <laughs> that is the one that skews I me I never out. want to hear the sentence flesh tunnel ever again. I've gone 30 some odd years without hearing it. And I think I can go another like 60 to 90 without ever hearing it. <laughs> it's okay. one of those things that grosses me out the most. Like Again, I don't even have my ears pierced. So to think about like... Mm, mm. Well, to me, it's just like, like, are you just going to like hang loose and flop them around later in life when you're in the nursing home? Well, um, Dr. Pimple Popper. All right. That's one of the things that she does. Is she, she fixes them. Fixes them. That's one of Then what her... the f- hell was the fucking point? I don't know. <laughs> they realize that they made poor life choices when they're like huge and yes. take them out. And... <laughs> yeah. These sub- subjective criteria is that vary from culture to culture, fall in and out of fashion, and evolve over time. So that idea of you're stretching your neck might sound extreme and painful, but so are, you know, wearing corsets. So your waist or midsection appears smaller, which really isn't that dissimilar from stretching your neck. Sure. Probably just as dangerous if you're tying that sucker too tight, too. Yeah. Uh, in China, for centuries, many girls and women... Uh, practice foot binding, which involved breaking all the toes except for the big one and then tightly wrapping the feet so they cannot grow. Well, you would also curl the toes yeah. under the foot and wrap it like that. Yeah. Which, as a woman with size 12 feet, just creeps me out and I feel sympathy for those poor ladies. Yeah. Scarification is another form of modification. A person will make superficial cuts to the skin in order to form words or patterns once the cut heals. Historically, this has been a common practice among African tribal communities to indicate status or belonging in a particular group. Some cultures would also intentionally get the wounds infected so the scars would be more prominent and raised. Mm -hmm. Uh, Far less common in Western cultures, people do practice scarification for various reasons, but oftentimes it's viewed as a sign of emotional disturbance and can often cause a person to be shunned or viewed negatively. Or you are just an educator who has no concept of the fact that you can't ask someone to carve I shall not tell lies into my hand over and over again. Hi-oh, Harry Potter drop. (laughs) (laughs) One type of body modification is surgical augmentation. 
which is where most plastic surgery falls under. Um, but I don't think you would have covered subdermal implants. Nope. Which is when molded silicone, molded or carved silicone object is placed fully or partially under the skin, and then the skin is left to heal over it, leaving a raised impression, which is known as 3D implant or pocketing. This covers those horn, genital beating, braille tattoos, and others. Okay, braille tattoo is pretty hilariously awesome. Uh, I'm fully supportive of a blind person getting a braille tattoo or just a family of a blind person. Please send me pictures of that and tell me your life story because that is delightful. Sometimes they move, though, under the skin. So That's they're not unfortunate. quite <laughs> as bulletproof as you think. So it goes from, like, I love mom to fuck you, mom. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, another type. Yeah, so the horns, the people who have, like, you know, the bumps all over their skins, mm. trying to look like crocodiles lizards, or yeah. lizards or dragons and stuff. That would be 3D implant pocketing or subdermal implants. They also have ones that stick out half from the skin and are under the skin. So that's sort of a form of it, but it's not a full subdermal. So I think it's like a semi-subdermal implant. It can't be permanent because you risk infection, don't you? Uh, eventually the skin sort of forms around it, I guess. But still. Like- I know. I think it's all bizarre, but I'm not shaming. I just think it's strange. Uh, another type is explicit ornamentation. Um, this is the more, uh, the aforementioned piercings and tattoos, but it also covers teeth blackening. What? Do you know how much time and money my parents spent to ensure that that was not an issue? I have thousands and thousands of dollars of dental work put into my face for that. Eyeball jewelry. Oof. That's like the woman who tattooed her eyes. Eye tattoos. Oh, boy. Neck rings, which, as we said, doesn't make the necks longer. It just makes your shoulders lower. Uh, What I call flush tunnels. Again, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm embargoing that word as well. And microdermal implants, which are really piercings, but they're the ones that, if you see them, they're like two dots. Mm. But they're not. So there's ones that are that like bars that go through the skin and come out. So that's the... But then there's ones that just sort of sit. They're like a piercing. They and screw in. Yeah, they screw in. They're, they're sort of like fake implants, but right. they're really piercings. Uh, and then there is removal or splitting. And this one was the one that oh, I boy. really got uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I can't imagine why a someone would do this. And knowing that some of these are done without the consent of people. Like, Ooh. this is like, this covers your genital mutilation. Ah. Well, that's not. Well, yeah. That's a body modification. That doesn't necessarily mean, like, people say yes to it. So Yeah, but all the body modifications you've talked about have been... Yes, these those are the consenting... Right. This uh, is more like a, an assault of some kind. Yeah, some of these are. So there's a bunch for the penis, uh-huh. which for our male listeners, you might want to skip. Yeah, do a couple of 30 seconds, because this made me hella uncomfortable, especially when I saw some pictures, and I was like, oh, I actually was a little nauseous at one point. Right. Because I, I can't imagine why someone would do this. I'm not trying to, again, shame, but I literally just cannot imagine why You're someone... You're talking bifurcated cocks, right? Yes! Yeah. I can't... Why? Why? I don't know. Kevin Smith talked about it in a really, really, really early episode of uh, Smodcast. There's somebody in Clerks 2... Uh, who won, like, a contest to do a walk-on role. He's one of the guys who's ordering something at the counter, and he had a bifurcated cock. 
And apparently, like, they just pick one side to keep the urethra on, and then they go to town with a snip-snip, and you're done. And my question is, when you're really getting into the heat of the moment, and you're not concentrating too much, and you're just moving, like, what happens if, whoop, the bifurcation flops apart? <laughs> and I guess, it, like, when it gets and one goes in, it does, like, it goes a curve, I guess? Oh, man. Sorry. We're just going to have to pause because I have to give my husband some cooking advice because okay. he's cooking. So, yes, the it's the bifurcation and the various forms of splitting the penis. So there's head splitting, which is when you split the underside and the top of the gland, which is the head okay. um, of the penis. Um, often they do this. It doesn't go past the head. Sometimes they do this for medical reasons. But what possible medical reason? I remember reading something about issues with the urethra and stuff. Okay. But uh, I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> it made me hell of a lot. Like these, all of these looking at these made me so like. <laughs> oh, um, you want to look at them? Yeah. Condolences. <laughs> I know. Um, subincision, which is where the underside, this is the one that really. Oh, just excuse me out. Which is where the underside of the head and the urethra is split open past the head. So it's it's split open about this much past the head usually, or it could go longer. It's like half. Like an inch. So it reminded me of, you know, when you cook like hot dogs and they split down. Yeah, yeah it's just really uncomfortable. But now this, why? This... This, in this instance, is the form of male genital mutilation that was done as part of coming-of-age rituals. Like its female counterpart, it was often performed not as a, by a healthcare professional, so infections. Um, and with this, even done properly, you increase your risk of STDs, fertility issues, and this one you get issues of peeing, especially if it's not done properly. Yeah. So they were saying that some cultures used to do this, as part of a coming-of-age ritual if the around puberty, uh, just after you hit puberty usually. So if the boys didn't scream or cry, then they were braver. If they did show signs of discomfort, they were often not uh, seen as uh, trustworthy or mature, so they were often never allowed to leave their communities. Religion is just fucked up. <laughs> Um, some places, uh, if you had, you had to have this done if you wanted to learn their secret language, because that was a form, a way into it. It was just really strange. It, My response to that proposition would be, nah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, it's very, it's, it's not, um, done anywhere really anymore. Um. Not for men. Not for men. We get to that for ladies. Um, and then you get the whole shaft splitting, which is what you're talking about. It's the bifurcation of where you cut the whole penis in two basically then there's ones where you uh, remove the penis like totally well that's a sex change operation no no No? there's ones where there's uh names for i didn't write them down stupidly uh where they just take the penis they're still like the testicles so not necessarily a sex change operation so you're rocking a ken doll yeah basically Oh, there's also the other one, which is an inversion, which you cut the shaft into, but leave the head. So basically, you put a hole in the penis. So like a donut hole in your penis. 
Like this actually made me really nauseous when I was like reading up on this. This feels like a micro penis incident, and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna start googling image searching things, and I'm gonna be really upset. Um, but there is something that if this is done by a medical professional, no medical professional should do this because it's a clear indication that there is some serious mental health issues involved with these, with the extreme ones. Yeah. Like I'll give you tattoos and piercings and subdermal implants and all that. But as soon as you start talking about like, I hate the sexual organ or the part of my body that defines my gender and my sexual identity so much that I want it gone. Like there's something there that needs to be dug into further. I don't think the removal is done very often. Um, sometimes I was reading some Because you lose the, your fucking medical license for doing it. Sometimes it's done, uh, like, the removing of the testicles in various forms are done for cancer, penis, yes. same thing. Um, but some of these, and, like, I was reading up on this Healthline article, which I got some of these from, and it was like, you know, don't be shamed because you want the to do this to your body, you know. Find a community that's accepting of you as the way you think of yourself. So these extreme like bifurcations and stuff. And they're saying like some people do them because they think that looks better. That's that's how they want to pers- like show themselves. It's sometimes it's uh, as a part of BDSM. Please don't that's, consent to those people. That's uh, a, that's a chapter that Fifty Shades um, didn't cover and various other things. But I I I also am like so I'm not. Yeah, I also want to say like. Why? Why yes. to these people? Like, if you have a legit medical reason for needing it done, I am fucking bringing you flowers and ice cream in the recovery process. If you are doing this because you can, it's like the Everest of body modifications. It's there, so let's do it. It's cool. I would like to have a deeper conversation with you and possibly a mental health care professional to find out why. And if this is something you're not going to regret immensely... When this is not the RN in the nursing home has to give you your first sponge bath and ask why is there just a donut hole in your wiener? Or like the first time you have to have a catheter put in. That's gonna oh. be. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Well, obviously, like you have to like throw the urethra down one side or the other, but. That poor doctor who does not know what they're like in for. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> yeah. The poor EMT that's got to deal yeah. with you if you get into an accident. So then, uh, you know, this stuff is not just uh, the, uh, although sometimes the more extreme body modifications are sort of left to the men. Like we have for women, there's female genital mutilation, which is the ritual cutting or removal of some or all of the external female genitalia, which is uh, done in some cultures and usually before the child turns five. That's a non-consensual thing. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other, uh, which you might talk about, people don't like the look of their vagina, so they remove the clitoral hood. They might remove um, some of the labia, so your labioplasties, you have removal or reduction or enhancement of the labia. There is a clitoral ectomy, which is the removal of the clitoris or part of it, but that's a very rare medical procedure. It's usually only done if the person, poor asshole, gets, the poor lady, gets uh, a form of cancer. Right. That is, like, in the clitoris, so they have to take it out so it doesn't metastasize. I mean, at that point, what are you living for? (laughs) 
<laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Although I really would be like, damn. <laughs> it's like from here on out, no one judges my chocolate intake at all. Yeah. Um, or sometimes a part partial one is done if a child is born with um, forms of genetic conditions which cause issues like both sex, like. Hermaphroditic um, issues and stuff like that. Um, So sometimes that's done, but that's usually when it's done, it's done right after the baby's born. Yeah. uh, To help sort of limit some of those issues. There's also the tongue splitting, which to me is really fucking gross. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why? Why? Why would someone? Yeah. I know. Unless you're going to, like, exercise the muscles enough that you can make one side go up and down and, like, do a little dance, but beyond the initial shock of being able to do that, there's really no appeal to me, at least. Also, the same thing. Like, as we get old, are we going to regret these things? And they can't... Some of these things can never be undone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you might be able to um, fix up your ears to some extent. Um, and if you go to Dr. Pimple Popper and spend a lot of money, you might be able to get them done really well. Uh, but even she said it's it's not easy. Right. Um, especially with the... The bigger gauges you get, the the less skin they have to work with. But I, I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I realize I have no piercings, <laughs> I have no tattoos, I have yeah. nothing. See, I fought. I have for... no nipples. I have no. You have nipples. No, I have, have nipples. <laughs> I have no nipple like <laughs> piercings or anything. Um, I fought my mother for years and years and years to get my ears pierced. And I think I was in grade seven or eight before she finally agreed to it. So I got one set done. And then, um, I had friends at the time who were really into like piercings and tattoos and their parents were okay with the piercings so the tattoos, not until you're older, but they were getting like belly buttons pierced and tongues pierced and septums. And so when I went to my mom and said, I want to get a second set of earrings, she said, thank God, as long as it's not, like, something more extreme, go for it. So that's how I ended up with the second set. And every so often, I'll have this, like, moment of sheer, like, what the fuck did I do? But they're, like, small and subtle. And yeah. I just, really, if you're not looking, they're not there. And so it's just this moment instantaneous, like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Then I'm, like in the grand scheme of things it could be worse <laughs> see i did have my ears pierced i got them pierced a few months before my high school graduation so i could have uh, earrings to go right. with my like outfit and then i lost an earring so i took them out within a week and they had literally grown over oh i like because that's just how yeah and so i was like okay well i'm too lazy and i don't want to poke through them because that really hurts yeah and why i just found them annoying so then for some reason, I was like, okay, I'll try it again. <laughs> so for a friend's graduation, sort of basically a year later, I got them re-pierced. Mm-hmm. And same thing happened. I lost an earring. And within an e- a weekend, like this was a year or so later. Wow. Like I had probably had my ears pierced for a couple of years at that point, a year, year and a half maybe. And this little sleeper, this little like, just these little hoops because I wasn't a big, giant right. uh, earring fan. And, um, yeah, they grow over again. And I'm like, there's a sign. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Because I like, and also when I'm stressed, I tug and play with my earlobes. I always have since I was a kid. And I do it to Dan. Um, I had a friend of mine in college. 
who used to laugh because I wouldn't realize, but in like long classes, I'd like lean over and start playing with Hugh. And he was like, he's so like, all weird. This, I know. And I wouldn't even notice I was doing it. I'd just be like totally out of like just zoned. <laughs> and it was funny because he said like, now he's like, it first was like, what is she doing? And he's like, then I realized that you did not at all know what you were like. You just were not like paying attention and you were just at doing this. At least you weren't chewing on his nails. <laughs> like just totally like doing it subconsciously and he actually loved it like he was like this is like the most relaxing thing ever so then like the two of us would be like just totally relaxed paying attention in class oh boy (laughs) he's like he got really used to it dan loves it too so i that's probably why i don't have my ears pierced because i can't couldn't do this when i get stressed out and it's like yeah for sure playing with like a soft baby blanket i guess (laughs) yeah so that's my story. I don't understand why people do uh, body modifications. I don't understand why people want horns, and I don't understand face and head tattoos I don't get that either. Like the the rapper, I'll use that word very loosely. The one that just broke up with Miley Cyrus's little sister Noah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what the hell is up with those face tattoos? There's a little lot Zane of, or whatever his name is. Uh, there's like Teriyaki Six Nine and that. <laughs> Singer who just got one of the styles, like oh my god, that girl with Harry really Styles, like yeah, but not really Harry Styles. No, no, that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible tattoo. But yeah, I don't, I, I like, or I, the woman who had Drake tattooed across her forehead, like hairline to eyebrows. Oh my god, that was temple awful to too. temple. Even Drake was like hopped on Twitter afterwards, and he's like, the person who put that on you should be really ashamed of themselves. And I was like, oh. <laughs> when the person you did it for is smacking back at you. Well, also, like, you kind of look at, you know, sometimes you go think about these tattoo artists and go, really? Yeah. Like, And I've read enough interviews with, like, really good tattoo artists who will say, like, no, I, I won't do. There there are some clients and some things that I'm just like, no. Yeah. That A, either looks bad, I won't do, like, racist things or... Because you don't want your name on it. Like, yeah, or just, like... I don't want, like, I don't want an ugly ass face tattoo that, oh my God, this person did it. And you're like, mm. yeah. So, oh boy. but then there is also, um, it's sort of like you think about why people get some things. Like, I get, like, the sort of sublim, but then there's some tattoos that you see that you're just like, really? Why did you choose, like, Fat Mouse or something? And it's like, I guess. Some people have a lot of tattoos, so then by the time yeah. they run out of things that are, they just, like... Meaningful, things. they just want a tattoo. Yeah, and so yeah. they get, like, things that you're just like, really? <laughs> that was your choice? Did you need, like, the rear view of a cat where your belly button is the anus? Probably not. <laughs> as much as I love cats, I'm not going that route. But yeah, that's, that's my story. Cool. So, let's talk plastic surgery. I hope is less skeezy than penis splitting. Uh, it wanes. <laughs> it comes and goes, if you will. <laughs> so I, like I said in the last episode, originally wrote this up back in January after I had done the New Year's resolution thing. So this whole idea of bettering yourself. And I thought, oh, lots of people go down the plastic surgery route. So let's look at that. So my story actually starts uh, with a bit of a, a crime blotter. Um Roundup. So on January 2nd, 2019, one Waleska Castillo was arrested on charges of manslaughter resulting from the death of Lesbia Ayala. 
Castillo had been in trouble before. In 2011, she pled guilty to operating a plastic surgery clinic without a medical license and served a year in prison. In 2014, she was caught doing silicone enhancement procedures and served a further nine months in prison. Her patient, Lesbia, died in June of 2018 as a result of an embolism that formed after Castillo pumped silicone into her buttocks and thighs. The procedure occurred in the Bronx in New York. When she was arrested, police found in her home hundreds of bottles of silicone gel shipped via the mail from the Dominican Republic that were marked as silicone for hair or for body massage. Court documents show that Castillo provided some stellar post-procedure care to her patients. One patient, not Lesbia, another one, texted her complaining that she was leaking blood and liquid from injection sites, and Castillo told her to, quote, buy some crazy glue and put it on. That's a A-plus solution to a serious problem. Also, people, check the credentials before, like, I... It's a thing. <laughs> Uh, so when her clients would contact her to complain or ask follow-up questions about problems they were experiencing, Castillo would actively discourage them from seeking medical advice. And no surprise here, she was really casual about the disposal of medical waste. They have proof of her just going out to the regular trash at the side of the road and throwing away syringes, bloody products, other items. Records show that she charged $1,500 per procedure. And at the time of her arrest, she had done so well for herself in this line of business that she owned two vehicles, a nail salon, and three Bronx properties, all of which total a value of $1.4 million. The NYPD, specifically just that one jurisdiction, is dealing with a spike of these underground procedures, which are usually performed in hotels as a budget-friendly option, though they often have serious consequences for health and can be fatal. So this is why. People know these aren't licensed professionals, but it's cheap. And there's a culture of body enhancements and imperfection. So they do it. Again, with my body modifications, you should always do these in a licensed clinic. Sterile. Not some random flea bag hotel in the Bronx. Yeah. (laughs) Or in your case, in this case of the lady who had her eye tattooed and slowly went blind... A tattoo parlor. Yes. Like, if... Oh, also just don't tattoo your eye. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Throwing that out there. Terrible idea. (laughs) So my story today looks at plastic surgery, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Like I usually do, I like to start looking at the history of a topic to see where we started in order to understand where we ended up. And the NHS, which we've talked about before, it's the British healthcare system, their awesome website provided the following information about the history of plastic surgery. So the first record of plastic surgery in the West comes from 1460, when a German surgeon described the reconstruction of a nose. And there's several steps here. So first of all, the model of a nose was constructed from parchment or leather. The model was then laid on the forearm and a line drawn around it. The marked area is then cut around and separated from the underlying layers in such a way that the bottom of the nose flap remains attached to the arm. Following? Somewhat. So you cut out a nose section, but you leave like a quarter of it still attached to the arm. Okay. And we're about to find out why. The arm is then raised to the head with the nose flap positioned on the face where it's stitched to the defect. The arm is then bound to the head to hold it in place. (laughs) After eight to ten, what I'm assuming very uncomfortable days... 
Dear God. When the skin has healed to the tissue of the defect, the lower part of the skin flap that is still attached to the arm is cut, freeing the arm, allowing reconstruction of the nostrils. Okay. I see what they're doing there. Right. Except I know how I sleep, and night one, there's going to be a real bad accident. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) They probably also bound these people to beds. One would hope. Within 100 years, this technique was widespread in Europe by the 1560s. So are they doing this? They're not obviously doing this just for beauty, I guess. No, it was a reconstruction of a nose. So something had gone. Yeah. You've lost your nose. Uh, Tyrion Lannister style from Game of Thrones, where the axe comes at you and it's gone. That's true. Yes. (laughs) This is is jousting era, I guess. Yes. The first skin graft in Europe happened in the 1800s and was adapted from a technique developed in India in the 18th century BCE, in which a leaf-shaped flap from the forehead was used to build a nose. So I guess a similar, like, cut it, yeah. Leave the flappy thing and then fold it down and create the, the nose. I just pantomimed what I'm sure they did. <laughs> and uh, I just for a medical degree. Also not great for the audio, audio medium that is. Very true. These early efforts turned into the modern practice of skin grafting in the 1870s. But modern plastic surgery as we know it has its roots in the First World War. So Archibald McIndo and Harold Giles pioneered the field in order to treat severe facial trauma resulting from combat, specifically popping your head over the trench lines to get mm. a view of what was happening. So lots of bullet wounds, flames, chemical burns from that happening. The practice became about stages. So that is performing part of the operation, allowing for growth or healing to occur, for blood supplies to reestablish, and then moving on to subsequent procedures, uh, stages in the procedure. In 1942, uh, Giles and McIndo were treating injured airmen following the Battle of Britain, and they got a lot of media attention for it, which is when the idea of plastic surgery entered the mainstream. Hmm. So it went from being completely medical and related Necessary. to... Yeah, and related to war, to this kind of mainstream, oh... You can do that? Well, what else can you do? (laughs) So there are two terms that are used interchangeably in this world that we need to clarify. We've done it today so far. And those are the terms cosmetic surgery and plastic surgery. So both fields are closely related specialties, but they definitely aren't the same because they have different goals. So cosmetic surgery is focused on enhancing your appearance. It's primarily aesthetic for symmetry, proportion, and appeal, and it's elective. Whereas plastic surgery is about repairing defects to reconstruct a normal function or appearance, usually the results of birth disorders, defects, traumas, burns, and diseases. So all of the body mods for fun, cosmetic, all of the repairs to body mods are plastic. (laughs) (laughs) Training usually starts with plastic surgery and then additional training is needed to develop your cosmetic surgery skills. So where are we now in the worlds of plastic slash cosmetic surgery? According to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, there were 17.5 million surgical and minimally invasive cosmetic procedures in the U.S. last year. Well, I guess 2017, so you're in a bit. The number is actually at a 2% increase over 2016, and minimally invasive procedures grew more than the full-out surgery route. But for surgeries, the top five were breast augmentations, liposuctions, 
nose reshaping, eyelid surgeries, and tummy tucks. So, again, about getting the perfect body. Breast reductions didn't crack the top five, but in fact, there was an 11% increase in procedures between 2016 and 2017. So more ladies realizing that they don't have to live with crippling, debilitating back pain and can actually have that taken care of. I know someone who had that done last in 2017. Yeah, in the last two years. It's a, like, I've, I know several people who have had it done. I think as soon as you start asking questions, like, a lot of women are actually doing it for a bunch of different reasons. So, the top five minimally invasive procedures, so not the full surgery, just stuff you can get done in a day, were Botox, fillers, chemical peels, laser hair removal, and microdermabrasion. So, some of this we don't really even consider plastic or cosmetic surgery mm-hmm. anymore. Like, Microdermabrasion is pretty... Laser hair removal. You go into the spa down the street and go through a few months worth of treatments and it's... I would like... That's one of my goals to have enough money to to do that (laughs) because I hate shaving. Yes. I... As do I. Just my underarms. You know what? If I just could get get the hobbit hair toe, like the (laughs) hobbit toe hair taken off, I think I'd be happy. I'll shave the legs. It's the indignity of having to shave my big toe that drives me crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, just that. That can't be too expensive, right? No, no. Just look into that. Yeah. <laughs> Although, so, for me, I couldn't do a whole leg. Right. Because the, from my knee up is very blonde. Okay. From my knee down is very dark. And they don't do well with blonde hair. Like, super blondes. Well, as Linda Belcher says, only strippers shave above the knee. So, <laughs> you're fine. Well, not in the top five of either category, so we're talking full surgical procedures or minimally invasive procedures. Body sculpting and non-invasive fat procedures experienced a 20% increase over 2016. So that's the shaping of the body using ultrasound, radio frequency, infrared light, vacuum massage, and injectable fat dissolving compounds. None of which I think works. But well, anyway. that's just it. Like, it's the old vibrating belt right <laughs> like however you lose weight we're now both just like shaking wildly um, i'm so glad no one walked by the yeah. door at that time it's it's the old i want to lose weight but i don't want to do the work for it yeah now we all have things about our bodies that we like to change but this isn't the cure-all for your problems and we talked about that with body mod like yeah. there's underlying reasons why you seek this type of yes experience to help decide if plastic surgery is right for you it's recommended that you consider the following. The first is, are your expectations realistic? If you are 21 years old and you look like Judy Dench currently looks, odds are you're not going to get to a Kim Kardashian stage at any point. And like, I am not knocking Dame Judy Dench. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, let's be reasonable and realistic. Yes. Okay. Also, if you're 21 and you look like Dame Judy Dench, you have some serious. Yeah. She looks great for her age. She does not look great for 21-year-olds. Exactly. A good plastic surgeon will evaluate your mental health at the same time that they evaluate your physical health. So one thing that they'll be looking for is signs of body dysmorphic disorder, which is when you have something on your body or about your body or a lot of things that you focus on too obsessively. And like it's not a reasonable obsession. So... Uh, that's a a fine indication that you're not a good candidate for plastic surgery. 
If you have body dysmorphic disorder, no amount of plastic surgery is ever going to be enough, so doctors won't treat you because you're going to sue them for malpractice, for failing at the surgery, you're gonna keep coming back to them, and eventually there's only so many times you can do a facelift before you start looking like half of the six-year-old women in Hollywood. Like, Or as Joan, the late Joan Rivers used to say, that Sophia Loren used to have to take off her earrings to go to the bathroom. She's had so many facelifts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, fucking Joan looked good for the number she had done, but that was a rare, (laughs) rare occurrence. Another thing that you should consider when thinking about doing plastic surgery is, are you mature enough? So if you're of a certain age, uh, a lot of doctors won't treat you. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on tweens and teens to look a certain way, and the number of cases of doctors treating young patients is increasing. I think the most upsetting story I heard about that was a while ago, um, young girls getting breast implants because they wanted a bigger bust. And the way that doctors were justifying it was based off the fact that they had asymmetrical breasts. Now, ladies, I don't know if you know this, we all have asymmetrical breasts. Your dominant hand is going to be your larger breast because the muscles on that side of your body just get used more. There is asymmetrical breasts, whereas there'll be a clear differentiation in cup size. But for the most part, you wear a bra and you don't really, it doesn't, it's not noticeable. For me, it's actually my least, it's my non-dominant really? hand. And when I was breastfeeding, it was my non like this one, my right boob was just like the sad little couldn't produce. It was my left one that used to was produce. It was also like massive, especially when I was <laughs> breastfeeding. It was like, they were so different. It was at least a cup, if not more, right. when I was breastfeeding because this one, especially Elizabeth, would not feed off of the right side because it just didn't produce as much and the left was just like my yeah it's like (laughs) now we are the champions (laughs) that's a that's a legit reason for why so yeah but there is like they went back sort of normal (laughs) but there is a medical condition where some women have completely disproportionate breast sizes so operating on that makes sense but doctors are saying that the emotional scars of having a disproportionate bust size was impacting their patients so they had to give 14 year olds boob jobs which is horseshit also your boobs grow ladies i used to be an a cup right up until yes. i was in my 30s but and that's another part of this question of are you mature enough is has your body stopped developing your body grows and changes throughout its period but more quickly up until your mid-20s so like i had a tremendous amount of orthodontic work done and it's only later in life that we're now seeing the repercussions of it so i have a terrible back well maybe it's because they put in a palette widener and cracked my upper jawbone in two to make more room for the teeth maybe that threw something off you know but like at the time they just needed more room for the teeth so there was no consideration of what that was going to do overall This is another thing you have to take into consideration. Are you done growing? Are you at the point where you're going to be? Because where you end up might be just fine. Yeah. You also obtain a lot of experience and perspective with time. So the thing that drives you crazy when you're 14, you couldn't give a flying fuck about when you're 28. Like from, you know, someone who was a teeny tiny titty committee member <laughs> for the mass majority of my life, um, I always had small boobs. So I never really... Still to this day, I've never dated really a boot man because they were small. <laughs> Always perky, though. But then, you know, as I said, when I, you know, when you get pregnant, especially your boobs change. Yeah. 
Um, when I was on the fertility medication, my boobs all of a sudden went from an A to a B to a C, and then I had Liz, and we were breastfeeding, and then they went to a D, then they went back down to a C, and now they're at a D permanently, apparently. <laughs> when I went to buy my bra after I stopped breastfeeding, so a few months after I stopped breastfeeding, um, I walked in, and I was, like, into the change room, and the girl came in to fit me, and she's like, oh, what size did you bring in? I'm like, oh, I brought in a B30 eight i think and she's like no oh, sweetie <laughs> you need a d and i'm like what <laughs> yes you it was compens- nice that she didn't like tap me yeah. on the head and you say, were compensating oh. with a larger band size but you needed the larger cup i size. actually do need a larger band size yeah. ladies but uh yes uh, but yeah it was so funny that she was like oh no you're so dumb <laughs> like i just had babies yeah. she's like it's okay but no you're not close to a b sweetie <laughs> So that was talking about physical maturity, but there's also the emotional maturity. Are the changes you're asking for the results of societal pressure? Or is it a legit medical concern, either physical or mental, that requires the surgical fix? So there's the two types of maturity that doctors consider. And the last question to ask yourself when you're debating whether or not to go forward with plastic surgery is, will the procedure fix a problem permanently or at least for a long time? If you're looking for liposuction to get rid of those last five pounds, odds are the entire process is going to get undone the next time you binge eat. Like, and we all do. Yeah. (laughs) It's called being high on a Friday night (laughs) and eating that second chocolate bar to really enjoy the process. (laughs) If you've gone through all that and you've decided plastic surgery is in fact for you, what are some of the things that you need to consider in order to prepare yourself? The first thing to ask is, this is to ask yourself, is are you healthy enough? It's no joke. Many of these procedures include general anesthetics, so you have to be prepared to give your doctor a full medical history and to take on the risks of going under, which doesn't matter what you're getting surgery for, it's always a risk. You should know what it is exactly that you're having done. You can't claim plausible deniability on this one. You have to know how they're going to be messing with your body. This helps clarify goals, but it also makes sure that you're a conscientious consumer of healthcare services. So you don't let silicone hair gel be injected into you because you've taken a look at the product and you know that it says for hair. Yes. You have to know and understand the risks of your procedure, even if there's only a small chance of them happening. So um, we talked about it with Allie, that show Botched Up Bodies. One of the, the botched up jobs was this poor woman who just went in for like a routine breast augmentation, like no big deal. She was one of the 0.5% who experienced catastrophic complications where like the nipple dies and just can't be recovered. And like it started, the necrosis started spreading all over and they couldn't get it under control. And it took years before she could finally get a, even close to considering a repair. So did she ever get it? Cause I, I haven't yes. watched that. Yes, she did get it fixed in the end. But, like, the process to get there just looked horrific. And, like, I just, there was removal of bandages with pus involved. It was, it was a lot. So you can't deny that these could happen to you, even if you, if, even if it is a very low risk. Uh, also take into the consideration the impact of any scars you may end up with. Are they going to be worth it? So... Like, um, I was telling you, my mother had um, breast reduction surgery done. And sure, her back felt great. I don't know if I'll ever go through it because I've seen what the scars look like at the other end. And I don't know if I'm willing to have those scars on my body. 
no matter what the pain is on my back. Like, so you've got to decide which is more important to you at the time. Really, at the end of the day, what kind of results can you expect to see? If it's only a minor improvement, is it really worth the time, the money, the risk, the pain? Is the recovery time in the process enough to make you think it's worth it or if it's not worth it? And if you think it might not be worth it, that's a really big flag on the play to like slow your roll and come back to this later. Are there alternatives you can try instead? I don't know. Maybe butt pads instead of injecting silicone into your your posterior. What will it cost and can you afford it? And it's not just a a one-time thing in some cases. So like breast implants have to be replaced every 10 years or so. It might be changing as the technology develops, but at least now expect to pay for your new breasts now, next decade, the decade after, because no one wants to be paying off their tits while they're in a nursing home. (laughs) No. Right? So they might to, still be firm, but I still owe 10 grand on them. <laughs> and they're still down by my knees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you be willing to go through multiple procedures? So oftentimes plastic surgery is done in stages to allow for healing and settling. So it's multiple periods of time off work, of recovery, and of partial results in between. And can you handle that? A lot of people get discouraged when they take off the bandages from the first stage and it's not perfect. Well, no, because your doctor told you there's going to be three or four following procedures and it takes time do you have the time do you have the money can you take time off work for all that and again if you don't have money to get someone good don't don't do do it it. yep speaking of the the time off work uh depending on what you're having done recovery can either require an afternoon if it's something like a chemical peel or it can be several weeks if you have breast implants not bread implants like I wrote here, but <laughs> implants. Bread implants don't sound good either. Well, I mean, I implant bread in my mouth quite frequently. Yes. I'm a carb fan, but yeah. Let's add a human dimension to this, though. I love reality TV. Like, hands down, I've considered writing PhD thesis on the disaster that is reality TV. And so one of my favorite shows before I dropped cable was Botched. Um, Now, for those who are unfamiliar, each episode generally features three patients. The first, or like not the first, but like one of them is someone who got elective cosmetic surgery that got fucked up somehow. Another one is someone who wanted to get additional cosmetic surgery, but they weren't good candidates because they were just a dumpster fire of human emotions. And then the third is someone who has a legit medical issue that needs a plastic surgery fix. So while you're wrestling your papers, I Dan probably watched bo- uh, Botched for the first time just last weekend, I think. Oh, yeah. Because we were sort of downstairs, I think maybe get trying to get Victoria down. And they had a top 10 rejected oh, yeah. patient special on. So Dan got to witness the, the dumpster. Worst the worst. The worst of the dumpster fire. Or is it the best of the dumpster fire? <laughs> The trans uh, person who had gone through sex assignment surgery, reassignment surgery, but the whole point wanted to look like a blow up doll. I don't uh, know if you remember that person. Is it the one who's like constantly like, can't close his mouth? No, that's filler. the other one. Okay. Uh, that was that was a totally different. That was the British guy with the too much filler, and sometimes right. it leaks out. He was on it. Yeah, um, yeah the guy who wanted to look like Superman, like uh, Reeves, Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah, Clark Kent, like yeah. With, like, his weird eyes and, yeah. He wanted the, the six, like, the uh, six-pant 
but didn't want to work out for it. So yes. he wanted implanted in. Yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so all the dumpster fires. Did I just <clears throat> take away your dumpster I think maybe fires? One of them. That's okay. So keep in mind, I wrote this before I discovered botched bodies, the British version. Uh, so I could wax on and on about that because it is a lot worse. <laughs> a lot worse. <laughs> but let's focus on just the UK or the US version of botched. So one of my favorite and a favorite of the show, because she's been on multiple times, is a woman named Raji. Raji is a transgendered woman who, in her quest to live her true gender, sought out cosmetic surgery, but she couldn't afford the good slash legitimate procedures and resulted in going to these under-the-table service providers. She attended something called a pumping party, during which shady characters would offer cheap services and just legit pump tire sealant and cement into her face. Oh, God. Yeah. As a result, Raji experienced pain and a hardening of the substances as you would expect. The materials entered her bloodstream, so she ended up dealing with infections and long-term health repercussions. But she's appeared on the show multiple times because she just has such a great personality and like energy about her despite what she's gone through, if not because of what she's gone through. And at first the doctors wouldn't or couldn't operate on her because there were such high risks involved, but eventually there was enough new techniques being developed that they were able to remove most of the foreign substances from her face. Oh, nice. And get her some resolutions. And she was featured on the Botched Up Body shows too, like the UK version, and because she's become an advocate for not using these uh, fillers and yeah. the under-the-table services. And Botched Up Body is the UK version. Their big kind of mission in the world, I think, is to stop women, men and men, but more so women, from getting these um, injectable fillers because it's an unregulated industry in the UK. So in the US, there's only two products that are licensed for human use. In the UK, there's six or seven and it's unregulated. If you and I wanted to become a cosmetic surgery experts, we would go to like a four hour seminar at the local Western, <laughs> get approved, and then we could hang a shingle and start injecting the shit into people's face. The problem is, is it's clumps up, it solidifies, it moves, it is impossible to extract from the surrounding skin around it, or the surrounding um, tissues around it, because it seeps through. So it just, it fucks up your face, like, every time. And so it's just the face, it's the body. Like, Raji had it put in her bust and her sides and her back, and it's just, it's a bad scene. Just, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I watched a little bit of the Botched Bodies, the UK one, and a lot of, like, the narration was about, like, how much fixing these problems costs yeah. the National Health Service. Yeah. That's, uh, and I really I was appreciate like, that look they're, that they're doing of, like, yes, you paid $1,300 to get tire seal and put in your face, and you have subsequently cost the British taxpayers about $30,000. Yeah. Good on you, mate. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yes, I, I and I appreciate that kind of service message that they're giving out. It's, it's a good one. Uh, another patient from Botch, the U.S. version. Uh, Kaylin was 19 when she had breast implants put in. You could almost predict that there was going to be problems giving the surgery only lasted 15 minutes. Oh, dear God. Yeah. The results were high and oddly shaped breasts. So to appear normal, Kaylin had to use duct tape to mash them down into the appropriate spot on her chest. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So this is one of those patients where they had the fucked up surgery and they needed like a serious fix. So she fell into that category and she got her fix, luckily. 
Another patient was Jana, who was looking for budget-friendly alternatives to buttocks implants. Uh, she couldn't afford the surgery in the States, so she went overseas to attain that perfect Kardashian ass. Rather than using an actual buttocks implant, which is a harder silicone, it's a bit flexible, the doctors just put in a set of double D breast implants into her butt. Which I'm assuming ruptured. Hers? I don't think so. They might have. I don't have the follow-up here. Um, probably, though, because they're not meant to be sat, sat on, on which we do nonstop all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the other thing I liked about the UK version is they always show the consequence of going overseas for surgeries. And it's a big thing. Like, I've heard and read a lot about it. Like, Poland is a big destination for UK to get plastic surgery done. But, like, you don't necessarily speak the language. The doctor doesn't necessarily speak the language. Different standards of care. It's usually done in offices versus hospitals. And then you're sent to a hotel to recover. They pitch them as these, like, all-inclusive paid, pay $3,000, cover your flight, your surgery, your recovery, your flight home. But, like, there's no oversight to that process. And, again, you're just going to cost the NHS a shit ton of money to fix whatever you cheaped out on on the first case like just blows my mind desiree uh from the u.s version botched is another example of why shady procedures outside traditional western hospitals can be dicey so she went to mexico for a budget tummy tuck and when watching botched as soon as they say i was looking for a cheap option i inevitably yell tijuana (laughs) and i'm right 80 percent of the time So Desiree went down to Mexico for a tummy tuck on the cheap. Rather than using anesthesia, the surgeon and his nurse placed a large block of ice on the area that they'd be working on. (gasps) The problem is cold reduces blood flow to the skin, which is necessary for healing. And it isn't an effective way to eliminate the type of pain you'll experience when someone cuts through your skin, fat, and muscles. No local, no general, just a big old hunk of ice put on her side for 15 minutes or so. But if you have exposure too cold on your skin long enough, it dies. So they were already hamstringing themselves before they started the procedure. Uh, It doesn't matter, though, because the procedure was going to be botched either way, because they ended up pulling her pubis up to her midsection, whereas you're supposed to pull the midsection down to the pubis. So she ended up with gunt. (laughs) Like a really bad case of it. But like all over. <laughs> so even irregardless or regardless of the ice situation, it was not going to go well because the doctor didn't know what the fuck he was doing to start off with. So for those of you at home, you can't see my... It's it's shock. <laughs> it's utter shock. <laughs> Slack jawed, fly, yellow. Yeah. Did they, did they fix her up? They did. They did fix her. Luckily, they were able to... I can't remember if she was the one where they lost her belly button in her <laughs> stomach somewhere, but somebody at some point had a tummy tuck done that went sideways, and the surgeon left the belly button stump inside the tuck. And then, so she, like, Barbie doll, like, flat. There was nothing. There was no bump. <laughs> and so the doctors cut her open, and they found it. And they're like, oh, good. We, what is this? It had, like, all this, like, collected all this, like, dead skin cells. So it was just, like, a giant pus pocket. 
and oh. they but they were able to save the stump because it doesn't really go away. So they just cut a new hole for it and pulled it through. And they're like, "Here's your pimple stomach." <laughs> it was rough. It was Doctor Pimple Popper to the extreme. <laughs> It is not just women, like we mentioned. Uh, The story of Jordan, again on the U.S. show. He started getting lip fillers when he was 21 and became addicted to the procedure slash the results. Eventually, he started having fillers put into his forehead, cheeks, and chin, but the result was he was unable to move his face. No shit. Yes. But he kept coming back to his lips to the point where the fillers started to leak out. So it was just too big, and it started, like, puffing out. (laughs) So... He wasn't on the show to get the filler removed, as you would expect. He just wanted the doctors to make sure the lips stopped leaking so he could keep having filler put in. They, of course, denied his request because he was one of the dumpster fire humans. (laughs) So they said, go fix that and then come back and we'll take the filler out. Is he the one who said that all the fake people be fake and all the real people be real? (laughs) We just want to be fake? It sounds like something he would have said. In a British accent? (laughs) The one I'm talking about had a British accent. Ah. I remember that guy. Yes. It could have been him. But it is not all bad. Plastic and cosmetic surgery can lead to life-changing results. There's a website called uh, Zwivel. It's an online plastic surgery research slash referral slash resource website. And they ask plastic surgeons to detail some of the most positive stories they've encountered in their career. So I have three stories to share with you. The first is from a female surgeon. She says, a college-bound young man severed his thumb off in a freak accident at his part-time job. He was a stellar student, and his aspiration was to ultimately become a doctor. As soon as I saw the patient and learned of his predicament, the weight of my responsibility hit me. The thumb is the most important digit. It accounts for 40 to 50% of proper hand function. The operation took many hours, but it was ultimately successful. So you could go on to be a doctor. Uh, Another story here. Near the beginning of my private practice, I performed a rhinoplasty on a 15-year-old who didn't like her large nose. Now, some people might say, why are you doing plastic surgery on someone so young? And it's true. You should be able to accept yourself for who you are. But for younger people, that can be very hard in this day and age. After a month, both the patient and her mother described how incredibly happy and confident she had become. She was making new friends and was increasingly active socially. She really came out of her shell. So still kind of young, like I would wonder what the long-term effects of breaking your nose bone and resetting it. But I guess people break their nose all the time. But still. So our wedding, just before our wedding, our friend, because uh, we had a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. So our best man uh, was really hammered one night. Okay. And he had this thing where he likes to fall into his bed. I don't know if he still does it. <laughs> Uh, where he just would stand at the end of his bed and just <sighs> fall face forward. So he did that. Boys are dumb. In the hotel. But he wasn't on his bed. And he brought up his face on the bedside table. <gasps> Blood everywhere. Nose busted. Now, this person's nose. Uh, very attractive man. But he had this huge nose anyway. Like, yeah. bump, the whole thing. His nose is pretty big. Um, so big of a difference like just, his nose had some swelling but really not that yeah. noticeable but he ended up with two it's black the raccoon eyes. eyes yeah <laughs> so um my suchi sister-in-law uh put some makeup on Aww. him and that was part of his speech was jan was one of is is one of the very few people in the world <laughs> he would put makeup on for Aww. but to you know save our pictures he yeah. he, <laughs> he did took one for the team he took one for the team god love him 
Um, and then month, like, as he came back, and he thought he broke his nose, and he did um, when he did this. Um, but a bunch of stuff happened, and he didn't go see a doctor for probably a couple of months. Of course not. And uh, no, he didn't actually break his nose. Sorry. So the doctor's like looking at him and doing some stuff. And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see, I see. Your your nose is definitely um, like bigger here." And he's like, "No." My nose has always been like that. And he's like, well, you, yeah, I think you definitely broke it because you've got this bump here. And he's like, no. Still OG. <laughs> my nose has always been like that. There's a few other things. He's like, by the time I came out of this, I felt really shitty about myself. <laughs> because no, my nose has always been this crooked, this <laughs> big, and this, <laughs> with this bump on it. So. <laughs> uh, one last positive story uh, from a plastic surgeon. He says, I enjoy treating babies with <sighs> craniosynostosis. This condition causes the skull bones to become fused during infancy, resulting in very abnormally shaped heads. Along with a neurosurgeon, I actually remove part of the skull, reshape it on a side table, and put it back on in a more normal position using plates and screws that dissolve over time. It's a very rewarding procedure because it's technically challenging, but also because it provides instant visual gratification. Parents are usually terrified before the surgery, but extremely impressed and grateful afterwards. There is no feeling quite like making a difference in a child's life. Mm-hmm. At which point, I was ready to jump him. <laughs> they also had pictures, and he was he was not a bad-looking doctor. <laughs> so you're a doctor and a plastic surgeon. <laughs> Tell me more. Is there a Mrs. Plastic Surgeon? <laughs> Can we get rid of her? <laughs> Andrew, get on that. Yes. Still waiting. <laughs> So that is my good, bad, and ugly about plastic surgery. Please consider it very carefully. Please watch botched and botched up bodies and embarrassing bodies and anything that will show you the fallout of what happens when things go wrong. I know someone who got their ears pinned back when they were very young. Mm -hmm. Yes, I knew someone too. And they've never regretted that. Yeah. They had some... The bullying's bad. Yeah. There's nothing worse than getting... that's a very relatively minor yes. procedure, yeah. right? Like so no one wants to get called Dumbo as a child, yeah. but... <laughs> or um, Milk Jug. Yeah. That's what they called the girl I knew, which was mean. But That sort of brings me back to, like, are you being served, though? <laughs> These cake full of rum. <laughs> yes. The, the character of Rumbled. Yeah. So, I don't know, people. Love yourself. Mm-hmm. Get help. I mean, I think before any sort of plastic surgery that should always be the first good plastic surgeon should have someone on retainer to send you to to talk about why you want it yeah and they shouldn't take your case until they see the report for why you want it bad plastic surgeons will take you anyway and that should be a red flag because they're probably not going to give you the result a you want b botch you up so then you've got to go back to a decent doctor to fix it and then you're going to have years of not being able to breathe yes that's the other thing about botched up bodies and all these trips overseas, like along with like the the flight, the hotel and the recovery and the, the surgery, they also include a lifetime guarantee of their work, which I mean, I'm sorry, but if you fuck up my body, the odds of me coming back to you for a fix, very, very low. <laughs> it's like maybe you see that a lot on botched. It's just like sometimes you see some of these and like you see the doctors being like, I want to, you, you can almost see them in their heads going, I want to find this doctor yeah. and like revoke their license. Yes. 
like full on like report people who screw up this badly. Like yeah. it's not just a lawsuit. Like go to their college, their regulatory body, and report them for gross negligence. Jeez, Louise. I don't know. I'm not perfect, but the fear and pain of the surgery. I'll live with it. I'm I, I'm not perfect, but there's you know yeah I'd love to lose some weight, but there's no part of me that goes I need some surgery. Even if I were to lose a tremendous amount of weight right now, and I'm slowly doing it, just walking and exercising and eating healthy, that bullshit line is actually true. Um, I think even through that process, like if I were to slim down considerably, skin removal, no. Like I don't know if I could could do it. Could do it because of the pain and the scars afterwards. Yeah. And I like I scar badly. Mm. Like you can still clearly see my like knee repair, like the Idris Elba scar is still very prominent. So I'm not. Yeah. And I call it the Idris Elba scar because a very attractive black man gave it to me as he was repairing my knee. And it's a lot longer than he said it was going to be. So lesson learned on my part there. <laughs> but a negative. Uh, but yeah, so the idea of, yeah, but I, I don't notice your scar. Yeah, I have a scar on my neck. But yeah. I don't notice it hardly anymore either. But uh, yeah, I, I see the skin thing, like, especially when you see some, like, my 600 pound life when oh, they, like, because yeah. they've got, like, extra people of skin. Yes. Like, and it's preventing them from, like, moving and yeah after they move all that weight yeah how could you get a shirt on when you've got like roll that extra skin off of your arm jelly roll style to jam it in like none of that sounds fun be fair i was putting my hair up in a towel the other night after a shower and i heard my arm fat (laughs) clap against my back fat and i was like oh for fuck's sake i was doing something to the shirt i was like the the arm not that i bat wings yeah (laughs) i was like oh i'm getting old yeah (laughs) i was like Look at that jiggle. <laughs> oh, I've had those forever, so that's fine for me. Although, Elizabeth, was I telling you about this? Elizabeth was like, Mommy, your belly is awfully big and squishy. I'm like, Toddlers are assholes. <laughs> I'm like, Thanks. <laughs> Love you, too. <laughs> no college fun for you. Your sister's my favorite. <laughs> when I grow up, do I get a big belly? <laughs> it's like, if you smoke a lot of weed on a Friday night and enjoy a chocolate bar afterwards, you certainly do. <laughs> so that is it for our episode this week uh, if you would like to get in touch head over to our website which is www.rabbitholespodcast.com all the information with the show notes information about Andy and I information about how to reach us is all there speaking of how to reach us our email is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com let us know what you think of the show, if there's any rabbit holes that you fall down frequently, if there's any rabbit holes you would like us to fall down on your behalf and share with the world, we'd be happy to hear from you. On the website, you can also check out our merch tab where you get a link to our Redbubble store so you can buy some of our merch if you want to rep us out in the big bad world. And we also have a tab there for support, which takes you to our Patreon page. And you can become a patron of ours, which we would appreciate very much. And you get access to the not-so-secret-secret secret part of the website, which contains a lot of awesome things like bonus clips of stuff that gets cut out of the show. You might get Andy's recipe for teriyaki stir-fry tonight, which she <laughs> gave to her husband. Uh, and other stories up there as well, which are some fun times. You can reach us on the social media. We are on Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod. Yeah. We are on Instagram at Rabbit Holes Podcast. 
Facebook, Rabbit Holes Podcast page. Um, you can reach out to us there, like us and follow us. You can also give us a review or a recommendation. You can give us a recommendation on Facebook. You can give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Let us know what you think. Please tell us good things. We like to hear good things. I'm very fragile. Uh, I'm not as fragile because <laughs> I give zero fucks, but uh, it's nice to know if, if people are liking us. True. Um, and we also have a semi-regular blog. <laughs> Depends on how Depends busy. On whose week it is. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm not the only one. Depends on how busy we are. Sure. I'm going to try to get one out this week. Um, I think that's it for me, right? I think so. Yeah. So there's only one last thing to do, and that's to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.